0: Welcome to Behave Intelligently, an uncensored exploration of behavior in the workplace, life, and the larger world. I'm your host, Jay Johnson, and thank you for joining this week's edition, where we're going to talk about, well, what would you do? I'm joined by some behavioral all-stars from COEUS Creative Group. Mr. Mark Garrison, how are you doing today? Doing good, you? Good. Thank you. Madison Bennett. Hola. And, of course, our Stephanie Sim.
1: Hi, everybody.
0: So, you know, we constantly field questions from a lot of different people and about behavior or how they can behave in the workplace or, you know, whether it's through coaching or training or even just people reaching out to us on the website. So I thought maybe it'd be fun if we had a conversation of asking each other how you would behave Uh, Based on some different scenarios and I have a great one that I just experienced and ultimately it has to do with somebody kind of violating that physical or social distancing. So I was at one of the grocery stores and, you know, masks in Michigan are not necessarily required. They're heavily encouraged. Some of the places have signs on the door that say you have to wear a mask, and then people inside are not necessarily wearing a mask and so on and so forth. So it's kind of a mess inside of that. But. Uh, so I'm inside of the grocery store, and I actually have somebody come up to me and kind of tap me on my shoulder. Which number one, you've now made physical contact with me. But as I turn around, I'm thinking that it's going to be somebody that I know, and it is not. It is a complete and utter stranger standing directly next to me, no mask on, and asks me a question. And it was a, it was. I don't even remember what the question was, but because I'll tell you how I reacted. But I wanted to ask you, how would you behave in that situation? If that was you and you were me and somebody comes and taps you on the shoulder, no mask, what do you do?
2: Well, I do want to start off by saying that the new mask rules start today. So businesses are required to enforce them. So that's the most recent regulation change in Michigan. It's all over the place here for those that don't live here that are listening.
1: (laughs) (laughs) If I could muster up the willpower, I would probably take a few steps back and say oh I'm sorry Um, I want to maintain social distance and and then maybe answer their question I think that would that would satisfy my uh, my fear of being rude but also accommodate my need to stay safe
3: see Jay I want to know how somebody snuck up behind you because that like for me that's the first thing when I'm out in a store is sort of always being aware of the people around me and I keep the cart sort of in front of me. So I know there's a barrier there and maybe I walk sideways through the store. I'm not sure. Um, But the stores that have the arrows, the directional arrows, because I know a lot of stores have shifted to supposedly one direction traffic. Um, People people don't follow that either. So I, I am always kind of watching who's behind me and and what's going on but I, I do see that scenario where they they come out of nowhere they're like little ninja shoppers and
0: i was gonna say i do like your use of the word supposedly one direction that was a well-placed word there you know but they they do pop out of
3: nowhere and i haven't had anybody try to make physical contact or you know get real close to ask a question but they get real close to walk by you or pass you in the store and that's one of the ones where i do feel uh, my behavior is sort of stepping back almost like I step further away from them. I mean, I might be right up on the shelf, you know, right up against the shelf on the one side at that point. Is it any better? Because probably a hundred other people have touched the shelves.
0: So I don't know. So I, for those of you that are listening and you want to learn a little bit more about Jay Johnson, uh, you're about <laughs> to get a year. Uh, behind I know scary. Right. Uh, I actually so, as you know, I do professional speaking, I can stand on a stage, Uh, my largest audience has been 4000. And I don't have much anxiety, if any anxiety when it comes to that. If you put me in a room with 20 people that I don't know, and I'm in the center of that room. I actually feel more anxiety from that than I do from being on a stage. So when I go grocery shopping, especially even right now, and I've I've always done this, I actually put headphones in and I will go through the store and I am very, very like straight focused. It's, it's It's one of the few places where like, I notice a lot of behaviors if they're ahead of me, but I am doing my absolute best to just stay focused on what I'm trying to do. And I have a distraction of headphones in to kind of keep me uh, listening to classical music or listening to something that kind of keeps my anxiety down. So in, in the store, if you ever want to ambush me, that is the absolute place to do so, because I'm going to be kind of tuned into what I'm doing, tuned into my headphones. So when this person put their, put the, tapped me on the shoulder, I mean, it, it caught me off guard. It's Quite frankly, it scared the hell out of me because I just was not anticipating anyone touching me at that point in time for them to tap me on the shoulder was a massive surprise. And what did they tap you on the shoulder for? I'm curious now. It was like something asking a question about the grocery store. I, it was like, do you know where blank? do you know where I can find salt? And I, Like, I don't, I I don't know. I clearly not working here. That's even, that was a thought that occurred after the first nine thoughts that occurred. So uh, suffice it to say they didn't get their answer. Um, But I, and and I'll, I'll kind of share with you what I ended up doing, but yeah, it was, it was something that was like, Hey, do you know where X is? Gotcha. And and I mean, I can see that happening uh, even
3: now when i've gone to the store i've had some people ask questions but usually they were more at a distance i personally i love shopping and i love being in a store right now this is like the worst thing ever everybody talks about how being stuck at home is terrible i love being stuck at home i hate the fact that i can't go shopping comfortably Hmm. but if you ask me where something's at in a grocery store i can usually tell you where it's at what shelf what aisle uh, my dad's called me on the cell phone before going, Hey, I'm looking for X. Do you know where it is? You know, so, but to, yeah, I don't, tapping someone... tapping someone on the shoulder or getting real close to somebody right now, that'd probably creep me out a little bit.
2: Yeah, not quite the time or time for that. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask a counter question. What do you do if someone reacts poorly when you ask them to respect your space or the fact that you're social distancing?
1: And by react poorly, like what's an example? Are you thinking that they yell at you or come even closer?
2: Well, I think that a lot of people that you find that aren't kind of respecting the fact that others might be social distancing, that kind of goes with our episode from the last week about mask wearing, you know, those are gonna be people that are kind of going to be prone to being upset over being asked to respect the fact that um, well, it's required for businesses to enforce mask wearing, but you know, kind of along those lines.
0: So for me, so let me make sure I've got this. The counter question is, I say, excuse me, um, you know, you you've definitely violated the six foot social distancing. I keep my cool and I say very calmly, very. Uh, very professionally, you violated a six-foot social distance. Please don't do that. And then they react poorly. Yes. That's actually pretty close to what happened. So, <laughs> yeah. No, let me.
1: Oh no! Oh God! Okay. Let
0: me. Let me share. Let me share. I'll. I'll kind of. Immediately, I feel this tap on the shoulder and I'm kind of freaked out and I I kind of turn around and I did almost what Stephanie was talking about. Like I took like three steps back and I said, I'm sorry, you'll have to say that again, but let's do so at a physical distance. You know, that's that's the safer thing to do. And that was all I said. I mean, it was just like I turned around. My eyes had to be wide open to like, just like who in the hell just put their hand on me, but I had turned around. I literally took two to three steps back. I probably used some kind of body language, like a hand up just a little bit like, okay, I had earphones in. You can ask me that question again, but, and in the moment uh, that I said, you know, let's do this at a physical distance, you know, for safety. The person immediately's response was to step forward towards me and say, I don't believe in any of that stuff. To which my response was to step back, put my hand up even farther and say, well, I'm sorry, I do. And I would much prefer that you don't come in within my space.
1: Wow.
0: So, for me, I am a fire, which means that you are now really pissing me off because you are directly and aggressively walking into my driven area. Uh, and my propensity is not so much fight or flight, it's fight or fight. And you have now violated not only touching me, but you have violated a second command to say, hey, could you please keep just a little bit of distance between us? So, I, I In my, I felt like I handled the situation despite being completely out of my norm. I felt like I handled it professionally, that if I was on the other side and maybe I violated some kind of social norm and somebody said that to me, I'd be like, oh yeah, no worries. Uh, I was looking for X, Y, or Z. This is why the person didn't end up getting their answer. I never escalated too, too far beyond that, but um, Yeah, that was exactly what happened, Madison, ironically enough. So how would you handle that? What would you do?
2: It's actually funny because I had my neighbor say the same thing to me. Well, not my neighbor, her fiance now. Um, You know, we were having some issues with our house because there had been like a really bad storm. And this was like in the height of the pandemic, like probably like mid-March, like everything shut down. We're just getting put in the stay at home order. And our front door um, is a little janky. The screen is like busted out. So I hear a knock on the door and I see that he's there. So I opened it and he's like really close to the door. And I'm kind of trying to back up and he's like trying to like show me these pictures and videos of his basement flooding because a pipe on our house came loose because of the storm. And I was like backing up and he's like, he's like, I don't know how you feel about this coronavirus thing, but I don't really believe in it. And I was like, well, I respect your opinion, but I, you know, I'm trying to be safe. It was just a really awkward encounter because um, he had come over to complain about something in the first place, and then he was kind of complaining more. And I was like, I don't know what to do in this situation because, first of all, I don't own the house; I rent it. And I was like, that's that's not my fault. I didn't know that was even an issue, but I was just kind of trying to be calm in the first place because he was not in the Best mood, and he's kind of this big, scary-looking man. If you ever saw him, <laughs> and I was home alone, so I was like, "Oh." <laughs> I
0: think one of the things that you said is is a takeaway point for our audience. Though um, one of the things that you mentioned was you said, "I respect your opinion," and I think that that is a really nice way to diffuse or de-escalate one of these types of scenarios. Is okay, I can respect your opinion. That's perfectly good. But my opinion might be a little different. So let's play a mutual respect game here. Uh, So I I really like that. I wanted to draw that out as something, you know, in the event that somebody doesn't have the same feeling as you or anything else, acknowledging their opinion or at least not agreeing with it, but acknowledgement is a very powerful tool, I think, for de-escalation.
3: And I wonder, is that something that is just becoming a problem I can speak for the United States, in the United States, where if you don't have the same opinion, you can't respect that other person's opinion. I mean, you see that with behaviors around uh, the coronavirus and respecting the six foot or not, believing in it or not. Uh, You see it in uh, with political beliefs and just the other people are just always flat wrong and any
0: other name that you can call them. Well, we have a lot of international listeners, so I'd like to hear from some of those listeners if you've got an opinion on civil discourse or disagreements in your local area. Send us an email at podcast at com and be a part of this conversation. Definitely curious what you would have to say.
1: Uh, I'm going to provide an alternate reaction, maybe to the negative pushback that you received, Jay, uh, which is less doable in, in Madison's situation when you're in close quarters, but turning around and just ignoring them and walking away, maybe, yeah. I, I believe in the flight option as a, as a very conflict-averse person. <laughs> <laughs> if you need to get out of there, get out of there.
0: Yeah, sometimes I could definitely use to remember to behave intelligently and fly. Um, I've definitely gotten better about that as I've gotten older. It's like, you know what, this isn't the hill that I need to die on today. It's time for me to just turn around and walk away, Uh, which ultimately is what ended up happening. If that that person may have ran into 21-year-old Jay Johnson, it might have been a very different scenario, suffice it to say. Um, but I, I'm with, with you. Probably, probably even 30-year-old Jay Johnson, let's yeah. be honest. Hey, you know, eight years does a lot for you, <laughs> not to date myself.
1: Okay, well, I've got another COVID-related scenario that I think is pretty common recently, or at least I've, I've encountered several people who've had to deal with this, kind of myself included, which is what happens when your family or close group of friends comes to you and they are so excited and they announce, hey, you know, we've really hated being cooped up. Oh my goodness, we just really need to get out of here. But good news, we are going to go on vacation in a couple weeks. It's fine. Airline prices are really low. We're just going to take a flight out to the beach. We'll go stay at a hotel, at a resort. It's going to be great. And you might not feel comfortable with that sort of travel or exposure. How would you behave in that scenario?
0: That's a tough one. I mean, especially if the people that... Uh, are inviting you, have influence, or have uh, any kind of, like, I mean, I'm even thinking, like, what if what if you were at work, and it was like, hey, FYI, we're sending you to California this week, so you can go work on this project with these people. Like, how would you react to even something like that? Uh, vacation, any of those types of travel things where you're not on the comfortable side of that. That's really tough.
1: Yeah, I think it's tough to decide. Well, there are so many options, you know, you can say, you can decline and, and say, you know, leave me out of it, but go for it. If it's someone that you're really concerned about, you might try to say, actually, you know, you might want to reconsider that plan and try and talk them down. Or, I don't know, do you just go and take precaution? There's a whole spectrum. But um, I'm interested in what you are thinking, Mark, or you as well, Madison.
3: Yeah, I think that's a, it's a scenario that's happening quite a bit. I mean, I can tell you my wife, uh, her job is a, one that does a, cause a lot of travel. And when COVID started, her company stopped all travel. And they recently said starting, I think it's next month or something, if people feel comfortable, they could start traveling but they're not required to, which I thought was a great approach, putting it into the person's comfort level that it's not, you can still do your job remotely. You don't have to travel, but if for the sake of meetings or relationships or whatever you need to do, that option's there. Um, So I really liked that approach that her company took. Now, when we talk about family or traveling with friends or something like that, you know, I'm, i love to travel and i have no desire to travel right now Uh, we are going actually this weekend we're going up north to my mother-in-law's place Uh, it's currently empty and usually we would go and do all sorts of stuff while we're in, in northern michigan wine tasting go to distilleries go to restaurants and we're really just going up there to do some work at her place and no plans to go out or to do any of the things that we normally would. Because that's where our level of comfort is.
0: Well, and I think, you know, if we break it down behaviorally, right? If we think about someone has approached us, asked us to travel or said, Hey, we're going to do this. We're going to go on this vacation. I mean, the indication there is already that they have, um, a lower threat risk or lower threat risk aversion. So at that point in time, they're either looking at it and saying, the risk is not that high or, you know, in the extreme cases, I don't think that there's any risk or anything else like that. So now in that question, Stephanie, it's a very complex question because, you know, as one of your scenarios, do you try to convince them that there is risk? I, I would even start there. And like, how would I make that decision? Like, is this, because for me, I, I'm with you, Mark. I am not. If I'm traveling right now, it's an out of a necessity. I'm driving as best as possible. Like I mean, I'll dr- I would rather drive 15 hours than get on a two-hour flight at this point in time. Uh, right. You know, and and at least in even in the 15-hour drive. You know, I don't have to wear a mask if I'm in my car for that entire time, rather than if I was on a flight, I'd be wearing a mask for three, four hours. Would I still travel if it's a necessity? Sure. But my preference is going to be solitary travel or like independent driving type travel. So then I would, yeah, like what you said, staff is do I even engage them in the conversation of maybe this isn't a good idea? That's tough. See, I don't. I I'm not going to engage them at this
3: point in time. Everybody's had the opportunity to to read, learn, hear. I don't think I'm going to tell them anything that's breaking news. But if it's a family member, I might try to find different ways to like guilt trip them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fine. You can go on the trip, but you know when you get back, you know I won't be able to see you for about two to three weeks.
2: That's what Stefan's sister was doing to his parents, cause they went out to California to visit her um, for her thirtieth, and she was like, "If you guys get sick and die, it's gonna be on like my conscience." <laughs> but they, she, they, they were like, "It's ultimately our choice. We're gonna make the decision on whether or not we want to travel right now." And they ended up going. So.
3: But then that's also a scenario where if she's concerned about that and they're coming to visit her, are they bringing her some kind of bug? You know, so that, that's maybe on the same type of scenario Stephanie's talking about, but what if it's flipped? What if, what if people want to come visit you? How do you tell them no?
1: I think that how do you tell someone no is a really important question. I think, um, you have to get really comfortable and secure in your relationships to know that they won't uh they won't think a no means you don't want to see them or you don't care about them and that safety is really the priority um and i've had to catch myself like i've I've had to tell people no a lot during this process uh regarding social gatherings and there's always that part of my brain that's like paranoid that they will not want to be my friend anymore like my family will think I'm upset with them because I said no to all these invitations but you know if they really are respecting your position they will they will understand
0: well and that's that's an interesting thing because I have a I have a guest bedroom and there's a number of people whether they're colleagues friends coworkers, whatever contractors that have, have done business with us you know that that spare bedrooms always open and very early on, and it was more towards the March side of things, there was a situation where somebody was just like, Hey, is it possible? And I did have to say no. And at that point in time, I I really said, look, you know, that this is nothing to do with you. This is nothing to do with anything else. And, and however, my dad is 72 years old. His health is here and I'm doing his grocery shopping and I'm going over there and this and that and the other thing. I have to reduce my exposure in any way that I can to try to avoid that. And it was just like, oh yeah, that makes total sense. And I mean, there was no, thankfully there was no pushback, no anything else, but I I know that it's because I already had trust established, a relationship established, and a very, very good and logical reason, like, this isn't about me, like, I'm not worried about me getting sick. This is really about a more vulnerable population. And that seemed to really deflect or make saying no, uh, you know, no sounds harsh. We're, we're not good at saying no to things. People like want to be helpful. So I probably had more, uh, I probably had more anxiety about saying no than the person on the other end hearing no. Because there's always other options, you know? See, I've been practicing no for the last several decades.
2: I was just going to say it's funny because my girlfriend is uh, pregnant. Um, This is like my childhood best friend. She's getting ready to throw a baby shower um, in Michigan. She lives in Texas. And she was asking me, she's like you know we're trying to really make this like as small as possible um and do you think these people are going to get offended if i they don't get invited to the shower at that point i was like you just got to cut your losses at some point and kind of just say i'm sorry i'm trying to be you know cognizant of the current situation and also for herself i was like you're pregnant you got to think about yourself um and also i was like if someone gets offended for not getting invited to a gathering right now I mean that's on them. I think that goes for anything. You know, someone's going to get offended by your even if you're declining an invitation because you just want to be safe. That's on them to be def- to be offended about it.
0: I think that's an important point too is like from a from a standpoint of an individual, we all have to have some level of choices, some level of risk or whatever. So managing your own personal risk or managing your own kind of situation really does have to be a personal decision. So somebody else getting upset about a personal decision, it's really then people behaving from a a self-serving side of things, right? Like instead of actually thinking about the larger population or the larger context, it really becomes about me, 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 me. I'm upset, I didn't get this, I rather than necessarily thinking about uh, the group or the larger context. And that their viewpoint is right
3: versus their viewpoint being wrong.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that yep, if you if you if their viewpoint is wrong and you're just trying to I guess um one thing that can help when you're deciding what to do in terms of responding to difficult situations is think first, what is my goal here? If my goal is to um, smooth things over and reduce conflict, I'm going to behave differently than if my goal is to communicate that their opinion is problematic? And so um, I guess, identify the goal and then tackle steps to achieve that goal instead of trying to do several things at once um, or or if, instead of behaving before you find out what your end game is.
0: I think that's I think that's a, a really brilliant uh, t- look at it. When we talk even about difficult conversations, like don't get into a difficult conversation without knowing what the outcome is of that conversation that you want. Uh, Do you want this to be a difficult conversation that leads to a behavior change, to idea change, to something else? Like if you don't know what that purpose is, at that point in time, you're setting yourself up for opening Pandora's box and having no idea which direction any of those. So when we do difficult training, it's always about what's your goal? Do you want out of this situation? Do you need to communicate this so that way there's a behavior change? Are you covering your you know, CYA? You know, what is the goal of the conversation? So that's a great point, Sim. All right. So these are different scenarios. And obviously, this is something that we're going to be exploring throughout this podcast and continue these conversations about what would you do. But why don't we wrap up today with something that our audience can take away. You're in a difficult situation. How do you manage that? What do you need to do? What is something that you would advise, regardless of the situation, to behave more intelligently?
3: My first reaction is to not overly react. Try to stay calm, stay a little more collected, and understand what the situation is quickly put a plan together in your head on how to react. I mean, we're talking about, like nanoseconds worth of time for processing all that, but that initial reaction in that scenario could either deescalate or escalate the response from the other person. So if you're just, if you're very uh, non-reactive in that instant, that'll give you a little bit of uh, traction in terms of which direction you can take your response and how the receiver might receive it.
1: Okay. I want to speak specifically to my waters out there, my people, people, my people pleasers, and say my first response, I'm training myself to do this, is to think, what do I actually want to do right now? Because my knee-jerk reaction is to say, oh, no, 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 everything's fine and give the other person exactly what they want. And then I will regret it later. So my first step is is to say, stop think, what do I, how do I actually feel about this? And then act.
0: So yours is hitting a pause button. So almost both of these just in different ways are hitting the pause button. One is pause, de-escalate. The other is pause, think of the end game. I like that. Well, mine was, if you think about it, is pause. And then in typical air
3: fashion, think about all the different options.
1: Yeah. Idea generation.
3: And that's how airs work right they they try to work through all the different scenarios and and in the different ideas so very similar uh between airs and waters we both pause and then we just differ a little bit
0: so what does the fire do Uh,
2: i would like to say that i could take a pause but sometimes i am the same uh way as you jay um it's not fight or flight it's fight or fight so so yeah i'm the same way I like to say that I can keep it cool and calm and collected, but at the same time, you know, I am very outspoken. So if you do something that I don't agree with, um, or I wouldn't say that I don't agree with, I would say that I think, uh, I guess, isn't good for the overall um, public, not only myself, especially when it comes to stuff like this, I'm probably going to call you out on it. But I'm trying to work on that. I'm trying to come off as less aggressive.
0: And how are you? So give me an example. How are you working to be less aggressive? I'm asking for a friend, of course.
2: So that same kind of idea, like I respect your opinion, but this is how I feel about it. You know, it's not that what ever necessarily what you think or say is wrong, I mean, even though it might be, (laughs) but, (laughs) but it's that, you know, I kind of respect the fact that you feel that way, but this is how I feel. And I hope that you can also, you know, give me the same respect.
1: So you're kind of like, you're kind of equalizing the playing field and and showing like a a bit of an olive branch, like, listen, we're, we're both individuals here that are at equal respect levels.
2: Yes. I like that. I like the term olive branch. If, they, if I extend the olive branch and they don't take it, I might whack them with it a few times, but <laughs> <laughs> for legal reasons, that's a joke.
0: <laughs> so I know that this is going to absolutely blow all of your minds, but I'm actually going to offer a piece of advice that probably comes from the earth element. Uh, and that Ooh. is, this is something that I've learned with both habits as well as something that i've adopted in order to be able to manage my fire a little bit better is creating a recipe and a recipe is just like if you're baking a cake you know you you do a little of this you do a little of that you do a little of this and a little of that as i go through and i see common behavioral situations or common patterns I really kind of take a moment to step back and do a thought experiment on it. So like, for example, Stephanie, even your uh, question today started to make me think about like, all right, well, what if one of my family members came to me and said this? How would I want to react? How would I want to behave? And from that position forward, I start creating a recipe. So now I've already got something like a script, something already there, something already in place, because I know that that behavior is a common behavior. I wasn't expecting to be tapped on the shoulder, but let me tell you, I now have a very, very clear recipe for how I would want to handle that. Maybe a little bit differently. Maybe a little bit more. Uh, you know, maybe a little bit less angry-eyed or, as as I've been told, shark-eyed as I turned around. Uh, but having that recipe in place when you're surprised or when that behavior happens, you've almost got like this playbook that you can automatically put into place. That helps me actually reduce some of my fire reactive responses, my my slightly more aggressive responses. Uh, It gives me the opportunity to say, I've been tapped on the shoulder, this is the scenario, here's my recipe, and I turn and I react in that way. Now, I'll still have to be adaptive and agile because the best recipes, guess what happens? Sometimes you just didn't have enough flour and something's going to go wrong. You need to make the best of it. But at least having that kind of pre-programmed, planned, processed, systematic script in mind will help me stay on track for some of those different behavioral interactions. So that would be my thing is create a recipe for different behavioral scenarios that you, that you know are common or that you know that you react in a way that you don't want to react that'll give you an opportunity to maybe shift that behavior or refocus that behavior even in uncertainty. Any final words on what would you do edition 1.0? Because this is definitely something that we're gonna approach and and we asked earlier, but we wanna reiterate, if you have any scenarios or contexts, work, professional life that you wanna hear us kind of go back and forth and maybe come up with some behavioral strategies and offer some tips or tactics, reach out to us at podcast at coheascreativegroup.com. Send us your feedback. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, we just might address your behavioral challenge on the air next time. Well, I think we've hit our time here for today. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Behave Intelligently. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Let us know what you think about this episode and email us your thoughts at podcast at com. If you want to learn more about Coeus Creative Group, visit our website or connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Tune in next time when we talk more about behaving intelligently.